My daddy's gone on, my grandpa's gone on, my great-grandpa's gone on. But they still live. You know, the, the spray is still here. Well, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Tell me of a home far away. Welcome back to It Still Lives, the Foxfire podcast. I'm Maddie Perdue with the fourth and final episode in the Seed series, where we follow my peers' journeys through learning and creating for the museum. This episode is centered around Sarah and Rowan's Seed Project, where they have been learning and focusing on the wonders of herbalism and the practicality of plants for use in everyday life. Once again, I'd love to invite you to consider the theme among our series, How Tradition Finds a New Generation. With that, let's dig in. The Appalachian tradition of herbalism was born out of necessity, as it was the juncture at which Old World and New World cultures sought to thrive under an onslaught of diseases and conditions unfamiliar to the inhabitants of the land. Our story begins with the indigenous inhabitants of southern Appalachia who had distinctly mastered the use of native plants, including mullein, mint, yarrow, and rosemary, for example, for medicinal purposes. Celtic settlers contributed greatly to the folk medicine of the area, though they often emphasized superstition over the healing properties of plants. As the cultures mixed, a distinctly Appalachian approach to herbalism developed, while the Native Americans dealt with newly introduced European diseases, and the settlers succumbed to an environment with which they were deeply unfamiliar. Thus, as is frequently the case, tradition was born from hardship. Herbal tradition was revitalized during the Civil War. Since the South was cut off from global trade by the Union naval blockade, Southern proto-doctors and druggists had to make full use of local herbal medicine, both off and on the battlefield. Where many poor Southern families had long relied on herbal remedies for everyday ailments, Southern soldiers saw a shortage of medication, so physicians resorted to homegrown solutions to the problems of the war. As Southern Appalachia, and more broadly, the American South as a whole was left impoverished for several decades after the Civil War, folk medicine continued to have a deeply entrenched importance in Southern Appalachian culture, one that remains to this day. Now that we've heard a little bit about the background of Sarah and Rowan's topic, let's just dive right on in and hear from them themselves. I am here interviewing Sarah. I go to Raven County High School. And Rowan, I go to Raven County High School also. I'm 17. I'm also 17, but still younger than you. Yeah. By like four months. How are your hobbies? Crocheting? Crocheting. Crocheting. Uh, reading. Also reading. Writing. We are the same person so far. <laughs> um, watching movies? Not so much. I listen to podcasts a lot. I like playing board games with my family. I play D&D. <laughs> What inspired you guys to pursue this project? We're uh, just working with the plants and trying to figure out like the traditional like medicine usage stuff like that. Well, I've been like learning about medicine for a while now, and I think the like traditional uses of stuff like from the ancient Egyptians is interesting to like figure out. And uh, it'd be even more interesting to figure out how that applies to the place where I actually live. 
Um, yeah, so what kind of background knowledge do you guys already have on your topic, especially, like, what you're going to try to do as your end project? Like, I, my very first Foxfire interview was an interview with Rhonda Reno. She is what is called a granny witch, which just means she works with plants and other natural materials to create remedies for ailments. And she was really cool. I don't have that much experience with anything like this. Uh, the whole reason that I first got interested in like plants and stuff like that, because I'm a big nerd. I've done interviews in a couple plant walks, so I know some of the uses. I recognize names. Okay, so do you have any experience with using the plants in the place, like, as you said, like, where we live? Do you have any experience with kind of, like, picking those out and finding out the uses of them previously? Uh, well, for me, I tried doing Envirothon and like, trying to identify the plants, and I'm terrible at that. So I'm hoping that learning more about plants in general will help me out with that. And, uh, I don't know, I like making teas out of weird things, so I'm also hoping that this will help me pick, like, edible plants at least. So what is Envirothon? Uh, it's a club at the high school where you learn about different like plants and water and stuff like that and then you go compete and i was gonna do it last year but the pandemic kind of canceled those plans has anyone in your life inspired you in a way relating to this topic at all my grandma has always kind of used things like using aloe for sunburn like having the plants in her window and stuff like that but she didn't do a lot besides that so what heritage skills are y'all pursuing, and are you incorporating those at all into your project? So we're both doing fiber arts, and we were actually thinking about talking to Sharon, the weaver up here at Foxfire, about working in the dye garden. Interesting. So tell me a little bit about that. It's looking a little empty right now. I think there was only one plant there, in it. There was oh, really? So we're hoping that we can talk to her, maybe add some plants to it that she could use, and learn a little bit more about, again, how useful plants are. What do y'all foresee as the final result or product of your project? We're hoping to further the exhibits in the Phillips cabin, which is our herbalism cabin. Um, we want to put... I've been, I've been thinking about it. We want to figure out a way to put the Cherokee plant myth in there for visitors to come see. And we want to work to improve the wild cultivation garden because it needs some work. We want to work in the dye garden a bit. And then also make a comprehensive plant guide. Tell me a little bit about the Phillips cabin. What, what all's in there? How long has it been part of the herbalism? Do you know? It's only been there for a couple years. I'm not sure exactly when it opened, but I was working here when it did open. And I was really excited for it. Um, there isn't much in there yet. There is a table for demonstrations, um, a few shelves that have 
some jars and books about plants. It's really sad. So you're kind of hoping to improve not only the aesthetic of the whole cabin in general, but, like, also the contents and, like, make it a yes. little more in-depth. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So what would be some of your goals? What would you like to kind of, like, what would you, what would be the ideal goal to see the Phillips cabin look like? Just more put together with more information available to visitors and a more usable resource for people interested in herbalism. Cool. And the traditions surrounding it. So what resources and people are you using to start on your research for your project? So we have Patricia Howell. We've got Adam Griffith. Um, For the dying side of things, we've got the resident weaver up here and then for more of the forging stuff we have carly langston who has been interviewed before what are some of your goals for this project and like what do you what do you want to learn so like we already kind of said what do you already know so what do you want to know how to better identify plants because i can't do that despite having gone on like three plant walks and having people point out a plant to me and say this is this this is what it does. Despite that, I still cannot. And I managed to be even worse at it, so. <laughs> also, learning more about their uses. Um, what most excites you about your seed project? Just seeing the finished product. I, I look forward to it. And learning new things. Yeah. What impact do y'all hope to make through your project's completion? impact on future students, impact on museum visitors, impact on the community. Well, hopefully other people can realize how cool plants are. Yeah. And learn how to identify them without picking one that's going to kill them. I would say a lot of people have different struggles that they go through. One of those struggles is dealing with diseases and I personally think it's awesome how we can just walk out in nature. You can just go outside and you can see plants that can really help people. So even even in even in a world that we mod- in which we modernly live, where there are so many things that can just be chemically created or things that can be just um, manufactured without actually having to occur naturally. Why do you still say that medicine would be so different, even though we can kind of manufacture a lot of stuff? Because so much of medicine has evolved from plants, and so much of medicine is still used for with plants. So, And, like, elements derived from plants? Like, the chemicals that are found in plants... Uh, like, with willow bark, it's the same chemical that's in aspirin. That's why they both relieve pain. Alright, so what has really motivated y'all to keep this fire burning and just make sure that knowledge of this skill is preserved and protected? I think Foraging and herbology both. I think the more I learn about plants, the more important they become to me. Because, let's face it, this earth 
I'm not going to say is the only planet that we have, but I'm going to say it's it's best to preserve what we have while we have it. Because who knows how long it'll take for us to go find Earth 2.0 a thousand light years away. And as far as, like, for me, when I was little, my family would always, like, have a garden and stuff, and I'd always be outside, like, helping my grandma in the garden or, like, picking flowers and making flower crowns. And and I've still, like, kept, like, pressing flowers and stuff like that, so. Yeah. Plants have always been a part of my life, so. From simple root teas to heart-stopping cultivars, plants are versatile parts of the natural world that can be both rejuvenating and deadly. The skills necessary for determining the differences between the two are less than common, and the awareness of protected or endangered species has decreased significantly in the modern age. This study remains one of the most historically influential pieces of human development to date. Though it may not be such a widespread topic of interest as it once was, it is nonetheless important to both Appalachian culture and modern life. Thanks for listening, y'all. I'm Maddie Purdue with It Still Lives, the Foxfire Podcast, signing off. Y'all have a great day. Thank you. If you don't like that, you can throw it away. I like it. <laughs>